0: Welcome to the February Pensions Podcast from the Stevenson Harwood Pensions Law Team. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes and Stitcher or by visiting our website at www.shlegal.com. I'm Graeme Wrightson, a partner in the pensions team, and I have with me Julia Cooper, an associate in our team. Today the topics we're going to look at include the impact on pension schemes of opposite-sex couples being able to enter into civil partnerships, the potential impact of a European decision on PPF levies, together with proposals by the PPF to amend methodology for insolvency scores, which may also impact PPF levies. Firstly, however, Julia will look at the reintroduction of the Pension Schemes Bill by the Government.
1: The Pension Schemes Bill was published in the House of Lords on the 7th of January 2020. It replaces the bill that was published in October 2019, and whilst substantially the same, makes some minor changes. The main changes that have been made are in relation to the con- to contribution notices issued under the new employer resources test. In particular, the defence has been relaxed so that it is easier to show. It is only necessary to show, among other things, that it was reasonable to conclude that the act or failure to act would not bring about a material reduction in the value of resources of the employer relative to the estimated Section 75 debt. The previous bill did not refer to materiality. Drafting changes have also been made to the Bill's provisions relating to data protection legislation.
0: For our next topic, we consider the impact of opposite-sex couples being given the green light to enter into civil partnerships since 2 December 2019. Whilst this is unlikely to have a huge impact on occupational pension schemes, there are a few points worth flagging. First, occupational-defined benefit pension schemes that pay survivors' benefits could face additional costs, as they will now have to provide benefits to opposite-sex civil partners. Having said that, the extent of the additional cost may be negligible, depending on how much demand there is for opposite-sex civil partnerships. Scheme rules should be checked to see whether the death benefit provisions need to be amended so that they extend to opposite-sex civil partners. Amendments are unlikely to be required, particularly if the rules define civil partners by reference to the definition of civil partners in the Civil Partnership Act 2004. Nevertheless, it is certainly worth a check. What could prove to be more problematic is where benefits have previously been insured outside a scheme, perhaps as part of a scheme buyout. The danger of doing nothing is that the scheme or trustees may be on the hook for uninsured and unfunded liabilities in the shape of survivors' benefits payable to opposite-sex civil partners. So again, this may be a point to check. In the meantime, what's happening at the PPF, Julie? It seems they've been quite busy recently.
1: Yes, we'll now consider whether PPF levies could be on the rise as a result of a recent uh, decision of the European Court. Currently, members whose schemes enter the PPF are provided with benefits at the statutory PPF compensation levels. For members below their normal pension age, when the scheme enters the PPF, this is usually 90% of their benefits subject to a compensation cap. Members may therefore receive less than their original benefit. In the recent European decision of Bauer, the Court has noted that member states have considerable latitude in determining the level of protection of employees' pension entitlements and are not required to guarantee those entitlements in full. However, there is an obligation to provide a minimum degree of protection. Whilst not all losses have to be covered, the losses suffered cannot be manifestly disproportionate. The court went on to state that a reduction in a former employee's old age benefits must be regarded as manifestly disproportionate where a former employee who, as a result of the reduction, is living or would have to live below the at-risk-of-poverty threshold determined by Eurostat for the member state concerned. Time will tell how the PPF will implement this in practice and whether Brexit will have any impact. This is likely to result in a considerable administrative burden for the PPF, and increased costs may also mean higher PPF levies in the future.
0: And talking of PPF levies, there may be a further change to them as a result of the PPF's consultation on a new methodology for insolvency scores. Insolvency scores are a core constituent of any defined benefit scheme's PPF levy, and the PPF intends to start applying the revised methodology to data collected through Dun & Bradstreet from April 2020. While the insolvency score methodology will be fairly similar to the current methodology, the PPF intends to recalibrate its scorecards to better reflect actual insolvency experience. As a result, the PPF expects that levies for schemes with larger employers will increase, and that the levies for schemes with smaller and not-for-profit employers will reduce. Trustees and employers should check the scoring date for their scheme on the new levy portal, and ensure the information Dun & Bradstreet holds is up to date. Any anomaly should be brought to Dun & Bradstreet's attention. The PPF encourages stakeholders to provide Dun & Bradstreet with ultimate parent company counts voluntarily to ensure that the most appropriate failure score can be generated. That's it for the PPF. What's happening at TPR, Julia?
1: So, um, trustees should be aware of four new guides published by TPR on tendering and setting objectives for investment service providers trustees may recall new requirements imposed since the 10th of December 2019 which require them to run competitive tenders for fiduciary management services and to set strategic objectives for investment consultants. The regulator's new guides cover how to choose an investment governance model, how to tender for fiduciary management services, how to tender for investment consultancy services and how to set objectives for the investment consultant. For our final topic We will consider a recently handed down judgment from the the Supreme Court in the case of Miller and Other v Ministry of Justice. This case concerned an issue of when time starts to run for a claim by a part-time judge for less favourable treatment under the Part-Time Workers Prevention of Less Favourable Treatment Regulations 2000. The judges in question claimed less favourable treatment because they had been excluded from the judicial pension pension scheme as a result of being part-time judges. However, their claims were lodged within three months from the date of retirement as opposed to three months after the end of their final part-time appointment. This meant that they were arguably out of time for bringing such claims. Regulation 8.2 of the Part-Time Workers Regulations state that a complaint must be made within three months of the less favourable treatment or detriment to which the complaint relates or where there is a series of failures or acts, the last of them. Where the unfavourable treatment arises as a result of a term in an employment contract, each day where that term in a contract is in force is a detrimental or unfavourable act. It was held that the judge did not have an employment contract and any other detriment would include detriment at the point of retirement to make a pension available. That would then mean that the detriment to which the complaint related was one which occurred at the point of retirement. So the three months for bringing a claim under the part-time workers' regulations could be taken as commencing at the date that a judge retired as opposed to the date he or she left part-time service. The judge's complaint was upheld and they were in time for bringing a claim in respect of unfavourable treatment relating to their pension.
0: Thanks, Julia. And that's it for this month's podcast. Further topics and detail on all of the subjects discussed can be found in the February snapshot our briefing on the Bauer decision and from your usual Stevenson Harwood pensions law team contact. Thanks for listening. We hope you found the podcast informative and don't forget that you can listen again and subscribe to the series on iTunes or Stitcher or on the Stevenson Harwood website.